Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. So if you and or your team are still taking phone calls and receiving vendor supporting documentation via email, you need to authenticate that you are talking or communicating with your vendor. Please visit deborahrrichardson.com slash authentication where you will find a workshop on how to build an authentication reference. This is the answer to the question, are you communicating with your vendor or with a fraudster? Learn more today at Deborah R. Richardson slash authentication. Do you have international or non-US vendors in your vendor master file? Well, for those that said yes, then we agree. And for those that said no, mm, I bet you do. Here's what to do with those identity and tax registration numbers that you receive. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 105, Non-U.S. Vendors Collect and Use Identity and Tax Registration Numbers. So it never fails. Every time I work with a client for a vendor process redesign or a five-day vendor master file cleanup, one of the first questions I ask is, do you have non-U.S. vendors? And the answer is always either no or they will identify like one country where they know they have a large volume of vendors. But as you probably anticipated, the answer should always be yes. And the reason that that is important is because those clients and you may be missing key data that can be validated or in absence of a validation source, because to be honest, Validating some of that vendor data um, is harder and a little more complex because there are either less or no validation sources to do that. But you can still use that data for other purposes. And really quick, just as a side note here, if you think you really do not have any non-US or international vendors, go ahead and take a look at your vendor master file, pull some reports, order some reports, um, download some, uh, some data into or query into Excel or Google Sheets and include, um, I usually find it when the state is empty, when that field is empty, or when it has the ISO two-digit code of a country versus uh, a state uh, two-digit uh, two code. So download or export or query the 
addresses um, and include the state field. And then you can also include the country field as well. But I usually find it um, with a blank state because I ask for country field to be sent to me um, most of the time and most of the time I don't really get it or I get it and it's blank. So check both of those fields, download them both, export them both, query them both out and identify those vendors that you have that are um, international or non-US vendors. And here I am just talking about the uh, identity and tax registration numbers, but there are resources to validate those international addresses as well. Okay, so back to collecting and I, uh, those identity and tax registration numbers. Now, the first thing you need to know, we already talked about it, is that validation resources are limited, but that is okay. So if you are a US entity, you are accustomed to performing a validation of your vendor's legal name and tax ID combination against IRS records using your vendor's employer identification number or maybe their social security number if they're individual or maybe even an individual taxpayer identification number for foreign vendors. Um, I even provide validation resources on my free download vendor validation reference list with resource links, and you can find that in the, as a link in the show notes. Um, so it's no wonder that you're looking to do the same thing with those non-US tax or identity numbers that you receive on your vendor supporting documentation. You've probably even seen those numbers on the IRS W-8-BIN-E or the IRS W-8-BIN forms that you received and don't really know what to do with them. I actually get quite a few requests coming in. Uh, they'll type it in my chat box on my site and ask questions about the uh, numbers that come in in the fields on the WA where they're supposed to give their foreign 10 number and they end up giving um, usually it's something like a VAT or a different type of number in there that gets uh, confusing. So not only do they not know what that uh, tax number is supposed to represent or identity number is supposed to represent, but they also don't know how to validate it or how to confirm that it's a valid number. And while the value added tax or VAT numbers for EU countries and other countries have an online source to validate those numbers, the European Commission provides it, not all tax or identity numbers will have a validation source. Um, note that if you use a third-party provider or tools for vendor screening and those uh, uh, maybe con continuous monitoring, those tools can use online resources to confirm whether that vendor has provided or used that number in association with their business before, and that could be a form of validation. But even if there is no validation, the key really is, is to treat that tax or identity number as an additional piece of data that you can use to verify that the vendor is real. And while you may not be able to verify that it belongs to the vendor, you can verify the format and you can still use those numbers as one part of your authentication process to be sure you are talking to your real vendor and not a froster. Now, 
keep in mind if any of you have uh, listened to or attended any of my webinars, especially around collecting bank details, this sounds a lot like bank accounts because um, especially on the international side, there's limited resources to verify bank account ownership, but that information is still used. You still verify the format of that bank account information. Uh, even if it's something like an IBAN, you verify that and you verify it because you want the payments to be successful. So even if you can't verify uh, that that particular identity or tax registration number belongs to the vendor like you can with an EIN or SSN with US entities uh, using the IRS records, you can still one, verify that format and two, use that as part of your authentication process. So you can be sure you're talking to your real vendor and not a fraudster. So again, there is still value in collecting and in using those identity and tax registration numbers. So for this next part, I am going to talk about the five largest trading partners of the United States and their tax registration or and identity numbers. So you may be thinking, okay, fine, I'm on board, but how do I know what tax registration numbers or what identity numbers are out there by country? Well, I am so glad you asked that. So in this next part, I'm gonna talk about the five largest trading partners of the United States and their identity and tax registration numbers. So according to Wikipedia, the five countries that are the largest trading partners of the US for goods are, and these are in order of first to fifth, China, so China's number one, it's probably not a big surprise, but China, Canada, Mexico, Japan, and then Germany. Now, for those, because you are listening to this podcast, you can't see the graph um, that I will have in the related blog. So I will put a link to the blog post for this podcast and you can click over there to uh, see the graphic that has those countries with the identity numbers. Uh, I'll talk about them here, but you'll be able to see the visual if you click through to the blog post. So the countries are listed in the graph, in the visual, um, and they have their tax or identity numbers that you can use to verify your vendor is real and then use them to authenticate your vendor. And so what I have is just a graph. It's really an Excel table and it has the country, the uh, ISO3 format, um, which is the three digit country, um, uh, code and then it has the type of tax registration or identity number and then it has like the three-digit code for that uh, for that uh, um tax registration number and identity. And then it has the length and then it shows you the format, like what it should look like. And again, this is important when you don't have a validation source, at least you can validate what it should look like. And then it also includes the individual, um, whether it's for an individual or for a business. So for example, the US, I would have on here the EIN for businesses and I'll have the format of the two digits and then the seven digits which gives a total length of nine and then 
for U.S. individuals, I would have the Social Security number, and I would also have the total length of nine, but I would have three digits, hyphen, two digits, hyphen, four digits. And that's what this is doing for those five um, uh, countries. So um, looking at Canada, I have a list of four different types of tax or identity uh, numbers that you may receive. So one is a social insurance number for individuals. The next is a business number for Canada. And then the next two are the goods and services tax and the harmonized sales tax um, for, again, for Canada. And so you can use this to validate any documents that you may receive from a Canadian vendor that may give you one of these numbers. Now, um, Canada does have um, places to or resources to verify uh, some of these numbers. And while I don't show it on the graph, I do have it um, for purchase in the larger um, uh, in the larger table that includes a hundred plus countries. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, the next one is China, and I'm, I'm saying these kind of in order of how I have them on my spreadsheet because I put them in um, alpha order instead of in order of how, um, uh, of whether, you know, how, what the volume is for the U.S. trading partners. So I didn't put them in that order. But um, when you, if you decide to purchase it, you actually do want it in alpha order. So that's the way I have it. So China is next and China, you will see that they have a China identification card number and a business reg uh, registration number. Or both of those are 18 uh, digits long and one is for business and one is for individual. The next one, oh, and they also have a VAT registration number, and that is also 18 digits long. Now, Germany has a VAT registration number that is 11 digits long, and the uh, they also have a tax identification number and they have one for the in individual and that is 11 digits, but they have another one um, or they also issue it to businesses and businesses is a slightly different format and that can be 10 or 11 digits. So that is there. And then Japan, Japan has a corporate number that has 13 digits for businesses and they also have something called an individual number or uh, it's also known as the my number and that has 12 digits. Now Mexico has a tax identification number and, and they call this the RFC and that one has 13 digits for an individual and 12 digits for a business. And each of these, I, I talk about the links and some of them I talk about the formats, but when you see the visual, if you click through to the um, blog post, you'll see the visual. And I actually do give the format 
that, like what it looks like. Some of them have spaces in between numbers. Some of them have dashes. Some of them have um, those forward slashes. So I actually do give the format and I give the format the way that that country identifies it. So some countries will be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Other countries will be X's. Some will use um, zeros. So I do give it in the format that that country reports it in. Now, you can also use these non-US tax identity numbers to clean up your vendor master file. That's what I do when I get a client for my five-day vendor master file. I identify the non-US countries and I verify the format of the numbers that they have recorded. And I will tell you not a lot will record these non-US tax registration or identity numbers. Um, some of them will record that because their tax team needs that. Some of them will record the GST again because uh, the tax team needs those numbers in order to reclaim the taxes that were paid on invoices. I do understand that. It's understandable uh, because the vendor supporting documentation that they come on is often in a different language. And so you're looking at a number, you don't really know what it is. But if you know the format of the number and the length of the number, you may be in a better position to identify what that number is and thus record it. Now, if you're interested in getting the expanded reference for, or that includes 100 plus countries, along with validation resource links where they exist, um, you can click the link to follow the blog post. And then within the blog post, you'll see uh, a link to order it. Uh, and it'll be a separate purchase or I am including it as part of my three-step vendor setup and maintenance process toolkit that also has vendor forms, vendor communication templates, and template desktop procedures. All right, so thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 105th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.